KBLA Talk 1580. That song always sounds like it could have been written yesterday, every time I hear it. Um, happy to welcome into the space you, 800-920-1580. You are always part of the conversation. Freestyle phones right now, but also joining me um, from somewhere on the road. He's the founder of the Fannie Lou Hamer Institute, a lead organizer with Black Lives Matter LA and BLM Grassroots. Uh, Keely, good morning. Good morning, Dominique, and good morning to the KBLA family. So good to be with you this morning. Great to have you in the space. So people know you as an activist. They know you from, uh, you know, uh, shutting down freeways and holding up city <laughs> council meetings and, um, you know, game changers. But you also have a long uh, history of working in electoral politics as a you know, a campaign organizer and strategist uh, for others, including uh, former President Barack Obama. And so I was hoping to get you to put on that hat today um, on this Talking Point Tuesday, you know, and, 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 and take a little bit of, of a look at what's already starting to happen around 2024, particularly these... Um, these numbers that we saw for Joe, Joe Biden, um, his polling numbers um, that came out yesterday, which show that Donald Trump is actually beating him in five key, what they call battleground states, right? Those states that could go either way um, and which can be, you know, make or break um, for the election. Um, Donald Trump, who is got, you know, at 91 charges, who has been in court this week cussing out judges and um, other illegal things. And yet he's he's beating Biden. Um, and, in you know, I know a lot can happen between now and November of 2024. But that's really bad news for the, for the Democratic Party. And, and I would say, you know, even though I'm not super thrilled with Biden right now for America. It is, and it's disappointing, and it's, it's hard to believe in some, in some cases. Um, I mean, you want to think, how could this be? Um, there was uh, a couple, there's been a number of articles, and one of them was in the Washington Post yesterday, around, uh, they, they, took, they asked five uh, reporters, well, how is it that, that Trump is still in the lead? Well, part of it is that Trump has appealed to, um, you know, the, the white, first of all, the white nationalists, but also the victim that somehow or another he is being persecuted. Uh, and that has galvanized his base. The other thing that has not happened is that I don't know if Biden or the, and or the Democratic Party has really taken a, a real effort at trying to explain un, and help people understand his accomplishment. And what he was in, um, uh, Delaware yesterday, uh, at the Amtrak, uh, area because he used to ride the Amtrak back and forth promoting his, his infrastructure plan. But none of that seems to matter because, you know, his accomplishments are not, uh, you know, I think that they're, I think it's substantive. But what people are concerned about, uh, one is his age and can he, uh, carry on for another four years? Uh, and two, um, they're just not willing to give him and accept him and, and give him, like I said, the benefit of the doubt. So on the one hand, you have a guy with accomplishments who's, uh, you know, 
pushed down inflation is not as bad as it was when he first got took office. Uh, the unemployment level is very low uh, among the, you know, uh, interest rates are, are creeping up, but not extremely high. Overall, the the economy is good. So if it was just bread and butter issues, you would think, well, people would automatically be supporting Biden. But that's not the case. It's not just bread and butter. It's the culture that uh, the culture wars that have been um, promoted. And it's, I think, the lack of getting out their own message on the part of the Democrats. And the other thing that is sadly disappointing, and that is they have not made a concerted effort to encourage uh, and engage the black vote, which will be the margin of victory for almost any candidate at yeah, the national but, level. Yeah, but Akili, I mean, I think they, they, yeah, maybe they're taking it for granted. I think they do encourage the black vote, but the black vote doesn't, people, I feel like people are tired of being encouraged just to vote. Like, what I mean by that is show me what you've done. And I, I know he's had substantive uh, accomplishments for black folks while in office, not the least of which is a, a black vice president, even though social media has painted her as not black, and a black Supreme Court justice who is also like a wise black Supreme Court justice who's not a Clarence Thomas, and on and on it goes. But I, f- I feel like people want more than encourage us to vote. We want us to, sh- you know, show us what you've done and and do something, you know, constantly like do something constantly i mean i think about the symbolism of that hate crime bill which they named the anti-asian hate crime bill even though it it applies to everyone it's money to help stop hate crimes but black people partly thanks to social media and partly thanks to i think the the fumbling of this issue by the biden administration think that it only helps asians and are angry about it and and i hear this time and time again that it that 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 uh, and and I don't want to dismiss or in any way demean what has happened within the Asian and the Pan Asian community, uh, you know the hate crimes that popped up. But we have been living, black folks have been living with hate crimes since 1619, right. um, and and it you know it took hundreds of years for us to even get our civil rights, and those civil rights are being rolled back. So I get how people would be disappointed. I get how people would be discouraged. Um, You know, one of the things that I struggle with is that what would have happened had more black people turned out for Clinton? Would we have the same set of judges? And would those judges have... You're talking about Hillary, not Bill. (laughs) Hillary, yeah, Yeah. Hillary Hillary Clinton in 2016. Um, You know, and, uh, and I... And I've worked six presidential campaigns going, starting in 1980. And, uh, you know, I've asked six. myself, wow. you know, yeah. Um, and the last one was Barack Obama. And, and usually when I get a chance to talk to the candidates, I ask them a couple of questions about will they do this. And, and for Obama, it was in the war and pass health care. And he did those two things. Um, but I don't know. If the um, the noise, if if Biden, the Biden administration can overcome the noise that's out there about what he's not doing, to be you know, be loud enough to talk about what he is doing, right? Um, and and connected to the apprehensions that people have about his age. Uh, it, but see, know, but and, but Trump is old too. I mean, I don't mean to yeah. sound ageist, but Trump is not that much younger than. Younger, Biden, but yet this isn't an issue for him. 
Um, probably maybe because he's always running his mouth, so it makes it seem like he's, you know, more, I don't know, more vigorous. I don't, I'm not sure, but um, he's not exactly, you know, a picture of health. He's still living on Burger King and 12 diet sodas a day, and nobody seems to worry about him being too old. Yeah, and you're right. There does seem to be this 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 double standard. They're both in their seventies. One is closer to eighty than I think they're Biden both in their is late now, isn't he? Yeah, oh, he should be. Uh, and well, but Biden will be seventy-seven. Um, you know, so the you difference mean, uh, Trump. is a couple. The Trump, rather, yeah. uh, will be yeah. So the difference is marginal in in terms right. of the age, right? But that has been a concern that's been repeated over and over within the Democratic Party. So maybe Biden he needs to need dye to his it. hair orange and start eating burgers. <laughs> he he no, needs a side piece. He needs he needs to go get him a former <clears throat> model. As you know, no, I, I mean, because no. really, when you're talking about a three year difference, that is an image issue, right? Yes, it is. In part, yes. So you got Trump on the one hand with a young, attractive woman on his arm, and you have uh, no shade Biden, to Doctor well, Biden. <laughs> you know, not not at all. Jill, not at all. the first lady. I yes. mean, she's attractive. Yeah, not at all. That she, she is. That she's uh, not young, but, and she's not a former fitness model or whatever kind of model more yes, was. was. <clears throat> you know, and the the other thing that I think that the Biden administration is going to have to do is is really trying to surround themselves with young people, um, you know, and, and listen to them. Too often we surround ourselves with young people, but we don't always listen to them. Amen. Because we think we, because we know more and, you know, uh, and I think I heard uh, Malia's daughter, uh, uh, Amara, say that we use old school as a uh, cop-out. Right, uh, exactly. Know. That uh, was such a great yeah. point. It was. And, and one of the things I try not to do is, is say that, well, I'm from the old school. That means that you're not, the, the underlying implication is you're not willing to learn. You're not willing to mm, advance. You're yeah. not willing to, to embrace what's happening now because I'm from the old school and, you, and I'm stuck, really. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, that, that part of what Biden is going to have to do is surround himself with young people, listen to them, uh, and not... Uh, and not be dismissive of them and not be judgmental. Yeah. Because what they see, understand, and are doing is very different from what happened in our generation. Right. Uh, you know, and to, and like I said, too often we are dismissive because we think they don't know. They may not know as much as we know. They may not know as much, uh, have as much experience, but they know what they know. And what they know, they have more access to more information instantaneously yeah. than we ever had. Yeah. Continue this conversation when we come forward. You're welcome in 800-920-1580. Is the Biden administration losing black people, losing Latinos, losing progressives, partly because of foreign policy issues um, and the, the way they're handling this crisis right now in the Middle East, the crises in Africa. We'll look at that and more when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DiPrima when we come forward. This the conversation continues right now, right now, right now with right now. Dominique DePrima on First Things First. Talking with the Keeley uh, of the Fannie Lou Hamer Institute and BLMLA. I was reading, uh, it says that when, uh, that Trump was the oldest person elected to a first term until Biden broke that record. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely an imaging issue. But um, I was asking about the foreign policy piece because I feel like... Um, you know, at least for me, 
the way that the Biden administration has handled uh, those Haitians, uh, Haitian immigrants, the way the policy that they've had towards Cuba in moving uh, back to kind of staying on the Trump position and not moving back to the Barack Obama loosening of relations with Cuba. And now the handling of the crisis in the Middle East, it, it for me, th- that pushes me away from Biden because they're so um, conservative and, and I think kind of tone deaf. Um, on some of these issues, particularly to your point, um, the gap between where young people are on these issues and where the Biden administration is, I think is a, I, f- I feel like they're out of touch with young voters, black voters, Latino voters. And I'm not sure why the um, GOP messages rest seems to be resonating, but I feel like part of it is that the Biden messaging is not. Yeah, and that's what I mean about um, listening to other people. Uh, you know, um, I struggle with this a lot. I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that I'm around enough young people, uh, even though I've been elevated to this barber state. Uh, but I struggle with it a lot, and so I, I can identify and, and kind of empathize with what, is, what he may be going through. Um, but part of it is he is the, the traditional foreign policy. They are stuck in that. Um, and they're not willing to leave it. That's their comfort zone. And so their relationship with Cuba, their relationship with the Middle East, their relationship uh, with Africa is the traditional foreign policy that has been around for over 50 years. Um, and so they just automatically go back to that. Uh, and, in, and in large part, they don't have anybody around them that pushes them out of their comfort zone. So particularly when it comes to foreign policy. And so you just do what you've been doing. I mean, um, do you think it's that or do you do you think I, you know, like because I wonder when I hear them, especially like when I heard Biden say something like that, he didn't believe the Palestinian uh, death toll like that. He didn't, he, you know, questioning how many people died as if one baby dying wasn't enough um, when as of today we're at 4000 children. Um, or, you know, those kinds of moments to me, it reflects not just going back to your old policies, it reflects a mindset and a sort of um, racial worldview um, that is really problematic. Yeah. It's, it's very old school. And I'm not going to say he's a white supremacist. It's more like old fashioned liberal, which is full of cringy, terrible moments, you know. And trying to have it both ways. I mean, that's part of what the, um, the this traditionalist approach tends to tends to do. Um, and he's the the worst example of it. And and Secretary of State Clinton was the the worst example of that. They have been unwilling. And I mean, the Cold War has been over now for what almost forty years. But there's still this Cold War mentality. And quite frankly, the Israelis have done a very effective job. Of at supporting and advancing their narrative. Well, yeah, I mean they're masterful and, when it comes to talking points. To me, the the, the pay, this but they paid for it too. This they okay. paid good money for theirs. What do you mean? Well, they have uh, uh, um, PR agencies. Uh, there's a whole book uh, about the public relations. But doesn't um, every government have PR agencies? I mean. You know, that's what comms do. Every government has comms departments. Their job is to spin and, you know, and, and, and um, create talking points and, and push forth yeah. their point of view. Every government does yeah. that. Yeah, except the PLA. Uh, they don't quite have that. Um, the but, the, the, but the Israelis have bought the best over the past 40 years. 
and their narrative is has been promoted. Their narrative has yeah, been well, and, and that's why yeah. I say they have these great talking points, Achille. To me, they th- this is a uh, when the talking point or the yeah, it's a talking point. They say Israel has a right to defend itself. Well, of course they do. Every sovereign nation has a right to defend itself. Why is that? Why is that a talking point to me? Because when people say that, it implies that you know they have a special need to defend themselves. Every sovereign nation has a right to defend itself. Isn't that why we're spending money in Ukraine? And and so then it it, it would beg the question: like, is that you know d- do? Does Palestine have a right to defend itself? Well, maybe not because it's not a sovereign nation, right? There's no, it's not recognized as, as a sovereign nation uh, with borders and all of that. But when you talk about, you know, a talking point to me like that is effective because you don't think about what is not being said. Yep, and and the, the Israelis have done a very effective job of promoting their narrative. Um, why, the, why don't we go the, around saying the United States has a right to defend itself? Well, but we have the largest military in the world. Okay, well, the Israeli fact, military is number 15. Yes. That's top uh, 20. Spend, yes, and they spend an enormous amount of money on their military. Uh, and I mean, and so me, do we. Well, more than any other country, but... For me, one of the most disappointing things that is happening is that Palestine has been erased. We don't talk about Palestine anymore. We talk about the West Bank. We talk about Gaza. We don't talk about a nation prior to 1948 uh, that had a flag, that had a people, that had a language, that had a culture uh, of thousands of years. We don't talk. We say the West Bank. Or, you know, well, I, because technically, because technically on, on the international uh, community, doesn't there is no actual Palestine, right? I mean, yep. that's, that's recognized internationally. Yep, and as a consequence, you, you can then... You know, Those are territories. They're considered yes. territories, right? They're not considered... It's not considered a state. It's considered territories. Right. Yep, we've erased, we've erased the whole... Uh, whole nation of people. But even but, in yeah. 1948, weren't those, t- wasn't that whole area which is before 1948, the whole area which is Israel and the territories which we, you know, the West Bank and Gaza, which we call Palestine unofficially, that was all controlled by the British. By uh, the British, yeah. And it then before a, that, it was, it was controlled by Turkey. So, I mean, yeah. so, so was it Palestine then? It was, uh, as a matter of fact. It was colonized it, Palestine? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, Golda Meir, one of the second prime ministers of Israel after Ben-Gurion, said that she had a Palestinian passport. She didn't have an Israeli passport. Um, but, but, that's, but, but that's what I mean about controlling the narrative here. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, there's, this, there's this nation state that's been created uh, out, of, uh, out of the Second World War uh, and, and colonial, colonial relationships. I mean, Palestine was a protectorate. Uh, of, of the British. They didn't call it a colony at the time. They called it protectorate. Um, but they, they, they allowed over time. Okay, uh, I got to look that up. Country- what is the legal definition of a protectorate? Well, that, Sounds like a colony. It's a euphemism. Uh, but 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 yeah. but one of the things that the Biden administration has done is bought into that narrative, and every administration since Truman 
has bought into that narrative. And we have spent billions and billions of dollars supporting, promoting, and protecting uh, uh, Israel, which was created uh, as a presumably as a compromise. The whole two-nation two uh, approach has been com- is completely off the board. Nobody is even talking about that anymore. Um, you know, the, the PLA, you know, has been reduced to, at best, collecting taxes uh, and, 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 you know, and trying to administer their territories. And so... They're talking about the uh, Palestinian of- Authority? Part, yeah, it used to be the PLO, the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization, uh, but now it's become the authority. There's no two-state discussion that's been going on, and no administration, including the last one, the, the uh, Barack Obama or Trump, has even be- looked at uh, trying to resolve the issue within the Middle East, looking at that two-state policy. I mean, since the Clintons, quite frankly, and that's been over 25 years ago. So the, the, the Biden administration is simply picking up the pieces that has been, that have always been there and, and moving it down the road, moving it down the road. As a matter of fact, you can't even say that you don't support. Look at what happened to what is happening to Cory Bush, who has been, or even uh, uh, Congresswoman Waters, who has come out in support of a um, ceasefire. Of a, uh, a ceasefire. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's being questioned and attacked. Uh, if you're not completely 100% loyal uh, to Israel, then you are anti-Jewish. You are anti-Semitic. By the way, the Palestinians are. Uh, uh, semites also so uh you know, yeah but you, we I mean, got but we have black anti-black people so i don't know that that's the yeah. best argument i mean you got clarence thomas he could say how can i be yeah. racist i'm black well just look at your yeah, po- the, look at what you've supported yeah. in in this country but i i get your point um yeah we've got news traffic and sports right here but i want to you know this is a good conversation you're welcome to join why are black people why are black people according to this polling 20 plus percent of black people in these five states are now planning to vote for Trump. Why? I don't get it. KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. Power. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. Akili is with me uh, from the Fannie Lou Hamer Institute and BLM Grassroots Black Lives Matter um, LA. Uh, and we, I asked you a question, but first I want to go to Tony calling us from Santa Clarita. Hi, Tony. You're on with Akili and Dominique on KBLA. Hey, you know how America's all with Israel, but Europe is all with Palestine, especially Britain, France, and Italy. Because they're upset that they have to buy all this NATO apparatus, all these fighter jets and rockets and all this stuff for a huge price. And all the profits that America's making or the military-industrial complex is making off selling this stuff to NATO, they're using it to give free stuff to Israel and Ukraine. And now Europe's all mad that they have to, they're being forced to keep buying all this, these things. They don't want to buy them. Especially like this past summer, America gave Israel like 20 free F-35s. Those things are stupid expensive. And and they're using an F thirty five to bomb a city when it's supposed to be a fighter jet. It's it's and and then America doesn't do anything about those boats with the migrants coming from Libya sinking in the water over there, and and the like the the navy ships are just parked in in France and Italy and and these the migrant boats are are drowning and they're not doing anything for like two or three years and now they're going to help Israel when they should have helped those migrant boats like way before. 
Well, um, you want to respond to what Tony is somewhat what Tony is saying. I mean, I think what you're talking about are government responses. I don't know if that's why the people are in the streets in Europe. They're in the streets here in the United States and around the world. And yeah, maybe it is that. I don't know. I, I think some of it is just like you can't you just don't get to kill. You just don't get to do mass murder. You don't get to kill four thousand kids you just don't get to do that there's no justification for that um and i i don't know i think for me that's part of why people are in the streets and also because the balance you know of power like i think about the united states you say you want to eliminate hamas yeah well we wanted to eliminate the taliban look how that worked out for us you know trillions of dollars later go ahead akili well the other thing is talking about nato I think the Europeans uh, have learned through their history of, you know, 100 years wars and all the rest of that, um, that people are going to resist. And when they do, they are going to do whatever, much like the Israelis exist, uh, resisted uh, during the Second World War uh, and during and to find to establish Israel. So people are going to resist. And I think what the Europeans have learned is that uh, people are going to do that and that they have a large immigrant population from the Middle East uh, and from around that region. And so that's being incorporated and adding to uh, Europe's uh, accomplishments. And so they view and they have a different set of foreign policies. Now, their relationship in NATO, which allows allows them to uh to not spend any, uh, not ve- not enough money on their own defense because we are defending Europe, uh, and so they have the luxury, if you will, of uh, of being able to um, uh, allow uh, support for Palestine. But once again, I think it grows out of the fact that you know that that they have a number of immigrants from that area, uh, and the and the U.S. is not necess- is not in that area. And if we do, we have warships. We don't have humanitarian aid for for people who are trying to get to Europe. So I think Europe is, it sees itself differently uh, in terms of foreign policy uh, and away from the old line foreign policy that the, that the Biden administration is clinging to. But they still have a problem with white supremacy, with fake populism, oh, with anti-immigrant sentiment. I mean, it's you know easy to sort of. Um, lionize Europe when they have many of the same problems that we do um, and it's just manifest different. Yes, and it, and it's growing. The the anti-democratic uh, elections that are, or parties that have uh, developed over the past few years, both in France uh, and even once again in Germany. Um, I mean, and they are anti-immigrant uh, in any immigrant. And usually, immigrants. their immigrants are black or you know from Arab nations. Um, yes. Tony, yes. did you want to did you want a follow up question or another point? Oh, one more thing. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't hear. I don't remember. Know if you were listening to Tavis yesterday in the second hour about gentrification. Yeah. I think Israel is trying to gentrify Gaza. They want those people to move to Turkey, and then they're going to blow up the whole thing because they got to get rid of all those tunnels. Everything's going to get leveled, like just totally, whatever you call it, just 
scraped and then annihilated is what nothing and then they're going to start over it's going to be but that's not but that's not for them to do i mean that's why what would it take i mean israel has a right to exist palestine has a right to exist why is that complicated they 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 have a right to defend themselves you have a right to defend yourselves we you know nations uh, if you know south africa could supposedly do it i mean we were there last year and the racism and and the uh, control by the white minority is still very present, but they've made some strides. Why is that? Why is that impossible? Why is a two-state imp- solution impossible? Why is it impossible to say why? You know why is Maxine Waters taking heat? And it's just not her. I mean, people in private industries stepping down um, or being pushed out of their jobs um, just simply for saying ceasefire. Um, and I, another thing, uh, Tony, speaking of Tavis's show, you know, somebody was saying that, uh, I think it was Connie Rice, you know, that you, you the Biden administration, uh, you know, right now you basically have lost every Arab American voter, um, from now until forever, which means Michigan for sure. Yeah, and I think that, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, I, I think that, that. That that's another, uh, and you made this point earlier, kind of tone deafness that the administration has, because they're willing to cling to that those traditional approaches without being willing to even go a little outside of their comfort zone. And so, yes, we've always supported Israel. Yes, we've been we've given them billions of dollars in in military support and aid, and allowed their country to develop uh, and advance. Um, while at the same time, we've held down or help held down the Palestinians. And so, what's that's another tone deaf kind of thing that the Biden administration is going to have to struggle with as it moves into 2024. And a, um, yeah, another thing I agree with with Tavis is. What is a humanitarian pause? You want people to stop bombing for a few minutes so you can give them some water and then bomb them again? Bomb like, again, wh- yeah. Why do I care if I'm not thirsty if I'm dead? I mean, it just doesn't make any kind of sense. The other thing that, that's underlying this is, is the, the, the politics. Netanyahu is being blamed uh, for a lot, and his political career is on the line. And he is going to do everything he can to say, look, uh, they did this to us, but now they don't exist. We took care of them. They'll never do that again because his political life is on the line. And so he is prepared to wipe out Gaza. He's prepared to, prepared to wipe it off the map if necessary to save his own political hide, um, which we don't. I mean, that's because the people in Israel are dissatisfied uh, about what he has been doing and his leadership. And so he's prepared prepared to do any and everything to save his political hide. Uh, and if that means uh, genocide against uh, the, the, the people in Gaza, so be it. Uh, and he wants to be, he came out and said, we're at war. And when the issue of, comes up around a, a ceasefire, they say absolutely not. Well, they he's, are to me, he's their Trump. Doing but worse. I mean, so yeah, he, yeah, you're right. Worse than Trump. Um, but what is, I mean, and that's another thing. Um, there's an agent here locally uh, in, in Los Angeles, I can't remember her name, who stepped down because she said, you know, people were supporting a genocide. And I've heard others, um, you know, really uh, take heat for, for saying it was a genocide and that folks feel that's anti-Semitic. And I, I don't, 
I feel like I'm missing something about why that's anti-Semitic. To me, asking Israel to stop killing children, I just don't see how that's anti-Semitic. Because it is, well, their narrative is that that they are right all the time. And so if they choose to annihilate a people uh, and that winds up being genocide, well, that's that's just a part of their narrative. Remember, remember, we have a right to defend ourselves. And one way we're going to defend ourselves is to make sure that the people who uh, are who attacked us or, or, or who resisted us don't exist. Honestly, you know, I they do have a right to defend themselves. Every sovereign nation has a right to defend themselves. Um, but you don't. But that's not the same as just indiscriminately killing people. Um, and I, you know, I, but if you want to take over territory and you want to make sure that the people never, uh, uh, resist anymore, then you wipe them out. And I think that that's what Netanyahu is going to do, uh, so that he can take credit for eliminating once and for all, uh, any, uh, attack from that side of, of Palestine. Uh, and, and he's, he's going to run on that. Um, even though, like I said, and if that means genocide against Palestinians, he does not care. And I think he's demonstrated that over and over again. Remember that in, in 2019, there was a, a similar kind of effort, you know, uh, going into Gaza and bombing Gaza. And 2014, there was the same thing. The people of Palestine are not going to stop resisting. And so I think that Netanyahu is going to commit genocide to completely say he's done away with them. We never have to worry about them again. Uh, and the rest of the world be damned. I, and I'm going to get reelected once, once more. I mean, he'd have to, uh, he'd have to kill another, you know, 500,000 plus people for that to happen, which I don't see the world standing by and letting that happen. It's KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station, radio station, and your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. So we said we were going to talk about Biden's poll numbers, but we keep on ending up back at Israel and Palestine. And I think one of the reasons for that, Achille, is because uh, I feel like that is part of what they are faced with. And it's just, I think, just the tip of the iceberg because this uh, conflict is, is going to, you know, is not just going to go away. Um, I Actually, I was wrong. They would have to kill 2 million people. I don't see that happening. Uh, 500,000 is the population of just Gaza City. Um, 10,000 have already been uh, killed in this most recent uh, campaign. And it sounds like, you know, from what Netanyahu is telling us, he's just getting started. But yep. I, I'm going to get back to the question I asked you a couple uh, about the 20% of us? Yeah, the 22% that are supposedly <laughs> now planning to vote for Trump. I mean, they can't all be people uh, responding to disinformation and misinformation on social media or Q down the QAnon rabbit hole. What do you attribute that to? Some of it is this notion of we want a strong man to take over and uh, bring us, you know, bring it together and, and make stuff happen. Uh, and Biden doesn't come off as a strong man. Uh, Trump likes to project himself as a strong man, but he's, he's clearly not. Uh, and I think that some of us, you know, we like that machoism kind of stuff, and we buy into that. So some of that is just the cultural thing. Some of that is the misinformation and disinformation. And some of it is just people, you know, being 
I was going to say knuckleheads, but some of it is just being... Uh, and a possibility that Biden would not, not run all. again? No, never going to happen. No, not, a, not, not at all. Um, he spent his life getting to where he is, and he's not going to walk away from it. Um, you know, he spent his adult life getting to where he is. He's not going to walk away from it. Uh, and I can't see anything that would convince him to even consider it. Uh, you know, the poll numbers, the, all the rest of that, uh, you know, this is where he's he's wanted to be in life, and he's finally there. So I don't see him walking away from it. Plus parties, I mean, generally parties don't walk away from their incumbents anyway. Yeah, it, but the question becomes, is, are you excited about your incumbent? Are you like, ah, okay, uh, because that level of enthusiasm and excitement can mean the margin for your winning or losing. Right, 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 and, right. Yeah, uh, and one of the things that many of us have focused on, I think, too much is the mechanics of getting people to vote, out to vote, versus the reason that they vote. Uh, and without a good reason, we tend to sit things out. And I yeah. don't know if there's too many, if enough people have think that they have a good reason to vote, even though the economy is doing better. But yeah, but things cost more. So even though the pundits keep telling us the economy is better, but I can still buy less with my check. You're right. You're right. And I think that 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 may be an underlying factor that that the administration doesn't seem to be able to do anything about. We do have low unemployment. Wages are rising. uh, Well, you know, in some states like ours like in California, but, uh, you know, the, the minimum wage is still $7 and 25 cents. Uh, and it has federally, been yeah. And, yeah, federally. Um, but some, some companies are taking it on their own to, to pay, to pay more. But so, so the unemployment is, is low, is, 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 is low. Um, but things are costing a lot more. And I think, um, and, and, and Biden doesn't have a real answer for it. I, Trump doesn't have a real answer for it either. Um, you know, and I don't think he even talks about or cares about the economy. What he cares about is getting back into power yeah. and punishing people. He is vindictive. And I think he will go after people that, you know, he attacked uh, DeSantos and Governor Reynolds, um, you know, Governor Reynolds, who came out and, and supported DeSantos. He called them traitors. Uh, as if they don't have agency or the right to make their own decisions. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? He called them traitors. Yeah. Uh, how dare they? How dare they even come out and, and question him? Uh, if he gets elected, you can. A lot of people are going to wind up paying because he is very. He's going to be very vindictive. Yeah. Well, Achilles, thanks for being with us. Uh, remind us how to follow you and stay up on what you're up to. Yes, you can go to uh, Achilles fifty four fifty four at um, um, Instagram. Uh, at, at Facebook, it's uh, it's Greg Akili, uh, and you can always go to Akili, A K I L I for the people dot com uh, for your campaign. Akili for the people dot com. Achilles also running for assembly. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning. I appreciate your insights. Thank you, and I always enjoy this. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the conversation with Kareem Webb next on KBLA Talk fifteen eighty.